Well, welcome again. Uh, it's good to be with you. My name is Derek. I'm the pastor here. If I haven't met you, uh, we like to say and hope that we, our desire, our primary desire is to connect people to God and to one another. So if you'd like to know more about how you might connect to the Lord or connect to somebody uh, sitting close to you or connect to your neighborhood or your city, I would love to talk with you more about that. Well, if you've been with us for a little bit, we've been walking through the book of Daniel. We're going to continue in Daniel, but we're going to pause today, actually, uh, and we're going to talk about one of those things you're just not supposed to talk about at all, and that's money. So we're pausing to talk about thankfulness and especially how our thankfulness relates to our checkbooks. We'll be back in Daniel next week. Actually, we start the season of Advent next week, and we get to look at uh, how Daniel looks forward to Christ, and we'll be able to look forward to the coming of Christ together with Daniel. <coughs> Excuse me. But <coughs> Goodness. But if you have a Bible with you, uh, you can open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, and I will be reading starting in verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supporting the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you, and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your call upon our lives holistically. We are thankful even for the call to be more thankful and to let it show on all that we do. Lord, work through your spirit to enliven our hearts as we read and take in your word today. Change us, soften us, make us humble, make us see you first in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Well, again, we're, we're pausing from our study in Daniel uh, just to talk a little bit about this passage from 2 Corinthians. And uh, I want to point out just a couple of the other passages that we've already read today. We started with Psalm 100, talking about how God's people are to come into His presence with thanksgiving. We looked at Ezra 3, and we saw God's people actually coming back from uh, exile in Babylon, rebuilding the temple, and thanking God for His great work in them. 
He, you know, they may have sung or recited a psalm similar to Psalm 100, maybe even Psalm 100 that we read. They are praising God and saying that His steadfast love endures forever, and that's what makes them thankful. And thankfulness is really this stream that kind of runs through all of the Bible, isn't it? If you open up the Bible really from beginning to end, you see God's people called to thanksgiving. In fact, one of the repeated kind of themes in the Old Testament is God telling His people, hey, don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget that you've been rescued because you're going to come into this new land that I've given you and you're going to think it's all your idea and it was all because of your great work, but don't forget that I have rescued you and therefore be thankful in all that you do. We get to turn our attention now to one piece of that thankfulness. Of course, thankfulness for what God has done for us can be exhibited in many ways in our lives. It should come out in our prayer life. It should come out just in the way that we are joyful with others. It should come out in our words and should come out in our actions, but it also should come out in our checkbooks. And, you know, we always talk about the things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table, right? You're not supposed to talk about politics at the dinner table, and you're not supposed to talk about money at church. And one of the reasons why people say you're not supposed to talk about money at church is because there have been abuses in the way that we talk about money in church sometimes. But friends, the abuse doesn't negate the proper use. And what is true is that God has always called His people holistically, He has called us to follow Him with everything that we are. He has called us to follow Him with our actions, with our thoughts, with our whole lives, which includes the way that we understand money. So what we're going to talk about today is what it means to be thankful in giving, what thankful giving is. And what Paul actually writes here in this passage, in fact, he he takes a good bit of time talking about it. And he is actually a lot like Jesus in this way. This may come as a surprise to you. Jesus talks about one thing more than anything else, and that is the kingdom of God. You know what's number two? Money. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about most anything else actually in all of the Gospels. And Paul actually spends a good bit of his letter here talking about taking up a gift, a contribution to help the the, the broader church in Jerusalem. These are the folks in Corinth. He wants them to actually send their money to Jerusalem to help Christians who are in need. So we're going to talk about what thankful giving really looks like in our hearts and in our lives. But first, I want to talk about three things that it's not. Okay, so we'll talk about three things from this passage that uh, are a part of thankful giving, but first, three things that are not thankful giving, and then uh, we'll move on to some application. All right? So let's start with with the negative. Uh, What is not thankful giving. And the first thing that we see in this passage is that thankful giving is not giving out of compulsion. Not giving out of compulsion, Paul says. Now, that's an interesting word, I think, and an interesting concept even for us to talk about what does it mean to be compelled to do something. You know, we talk actually a lot in this church about what it means to kind of set up patterns in our lives what it actually means to devote ourselves to things that shape us, to do things in our lives, to habits in our days and in our weeks that shape who we are. And, and actually, the Bible talks about a lot, of the, a lot of things that God actually requires of us. He gives us standards. He gives us rules. He gives us things that we are supposed to do. But all throughout the Bible, 
the patterns that God establishes have one major purpose, and that is to shape our hearts. We are supposed to be those, God's people all throughout the Scriptures are supposed to always be those whose hearts are actually shaped toward Him and whose actions pour out of those hearts. So I just take, for instance, a tree. If you go into my front yard, there's a, there's a pretty decent-sized oak tree in my front yard. And it's a really beautiful tree. It, it provides shade in our yard, and, uh, and it's nice and, and leafy and big. And, you know, for about 48 hours, you know, in the fall, the, the colors will change on the leaves of that tree, and it's really beautiful. Uh, but it is an oak tree. If I went to try and pick apples from that oak tree... I would not get very far because it doesn't grow apples. And there really could be two ways that I could go about actually producing apples in my yard. One way is that I could go about what would be the godly pattern of planting and watering and tending and growing an apple tree that would then produce the fruit of those apples. Or I could get a tall ladder and a couple of rolls of duct tape, and a few baskets of apples, and I could just go and tape apples onto my big oak tree, and I could say, look at all of these apples, this beautiful apple tree that I have produced. That would be kind of like giving out of compulsion. You would find apples there for a little while, but the apples were simply taped on. They didn't grow there. The real way to see fruit produced in your heart is to actually have it grow from the heart. To see pr fruit produced in your life is to actually grow it in your heart and have that pour out in your life. And that's what Paul is saying here, is that if you are giving simply under compulsion or simply out of duty, or the big one for us is simply out of guilt, then yes, there's something good about it, but really the core, the inside is empty. It's rotten. It's not going to produce really pleasing fruit to the Lord because it's not thankful giving. It's compulsory giving. So let me just ask you, if, if you're giving, but you're doing so out of guilt, or you're doing so because you think God will punish you if you don't, please go home and read this passage again today. And listen Listen to the rest of the sermon because we're going to talk about the right ways to give. But compulsory giving is not thankful giving. That's the first kind of piece. The second piece, the second negative piece, is that thankful giving is not giving for recognition. We don't give out of a desire to be recognized. Uh, you know, the, the huge check has kind of come, become ubiquitous in our society, hasn't it? Anytime you have an event or a fundraiser or whatever, they, they roll out this enormous check and they, you know, you're holding this big check, giving it so that everybody can look and see, hey, just in case you couldn't see the amount of money that I'm giving you know, from 10 feet away or 100 feet away, we've printed this enormous check so you can see what I'm doing out here, right? Jesus actually talked about this. He said, when you give, give in private, not like the hypocrites do who parade their giving out in front of everybody else so that they can be recognized as something great. We don't give in order to be recognized. Uh, we, uh, we would love at some point in the life of our church, hopefully sooner rather than later, to have a permanent place where we can worship. We would love to have a building where we can worship. 
We would love to have a building where people can, uh, can, be, can congregate and be taught. We would love to have buildings for our kids to be cared for. And at some point, we're going to ask people to give money for the building of those buildings. But let me just give you this kind of spoiler alert. Nobody's going to get their names on the building for the amount of money they gave. We're not going to name any buildings after you. I hope that's okay. <laughs> we're not going to name any buildings after the people that gave the most, and we're not going to print any really big checks and parade them around in front of the congregation. Because that's not the way that we're supposed to give. Thankful giving is not giving done in order to gain favor. It's not giving that's done in order to parade yourself around in front of others. Our third negative piece, third thing thankful giving is not, is it's not giving to balance the books. This is a really important piece. Okay, if you don't hear anything else in this sermon, I want you to pay attention to this. We do not give in order to earn God's favor. Sometimes we have had, the, the church in general has had this mentality that God is somehow this like cosmic CPA. And he's got his little, you know, green brimmed hat on and his sharp pencil and he's there kind of just working the books. And he's looking at our lives and he's saying, all right, here's the balance sheet and here's all the negative things that you've done. But you know what? You gave a little money last week or you were nice to somebody or maybe you thought about giving, right? And it's the thought that counts, or maybe you supported a political candidate, right? That's the same thing anyway. That's not the way that God works. He does not sit down with a ledger and try to balance our books based on what we do or what we contribute. I have really bad news for you, first of all, is that we will never balance those books. <laughs> we are incapable of making up for the red by putting some things in the black category. That's Really, Paul's major argument through the first half of Romans is everybody is in the red, and it's not going to get out on your own. And then here's the really good news, of course, is that God, through his son Jesus, has spilt his own red, his blood, to cover our sin, to balance it for us, to proclaim us, not even to balance it, but simply to erase our sin and proclaim us righteousness, righteous on his behalf because of what he's done, not because of what we've done. So not only is your giving uh, uh, to balance the books not possible, it's unnecessary because Jesus has actually already done it for you. So that's the third thing that thankful giving is not. Thankful giving is not giving that seeks to balance the books in your life. Thankful giving is not something that seeks to put you right with God. There's only one thing that puts you right with God, and that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his work on your behalf received by faith. So let's turn our attention then to what it is. What is thankful giving? If we are called to give, and generally speaking, what the Bible has promoted and what the church has assumed for the last 2,000 years is that God's people return to God around 10% oftentimes more, of what their income is as an act of thanksgiving and trust and dedication to the Lord. So why do we do that? Those are our positive things. Here they are. Here's the first reason is that thankful giving is actually good for you. Thankful giving is actually good for you and for me. Uh, we were actually talking the other day. We went to dinner with, with the Lighties, Chris, who was giving our announcement, and the, the, the subject of St. Louis came up. 
And we had actually both visited this one place in St. Louis called the City Museum of St. Louis. If you've ever been to the City Museum, uh, you will know it is the most amazing and wonderful place in the whole world. I literally cannot describe it to you because it's so weird, uh, but just take, my, just take my word for it, it's super cool. And there is this one thing that's a very normal kind of thing, actually, this one part of the City Museum. It's, it's a bucket that fills with water and then pours itself out. So you've seen this, actually, if you've ever taken your kids to a splash pad, if you've ever kind of been to a water park, they probably have this. It's a bucket that's sitting here, and there's, there's water just kind of continually trickling into this bucket, and about every five minutes, the bucket gets so full that it pours itself out, and it splashes everywhere, and it tips back, and the whole thing starts over. The water starts to trickle back in. Well, the cool part actually about this, and this really happens, you know, not just at the city museum, but anywhere where you see this phenomenon, is that kids will all gather around, won't they? And they're mesmerized by watching the water kind of pour into the bucket, and they want to see it grow and grow, and you can see the tension kind of building, and they get so excited. And then finally, when the bucket pours out, what do they do? They cheer. Yay! The water poured all out. It's kind of amazing, actually. All of the cheering, all of the celebration was for the emptying. Everybody gets happy when it's poured out, not when it's full. The same is actually true, God says, of our hearts, is that actually the pouring out produces joy in us. You heard it actually multiple times in this passage. Listen to verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And verse 8, listen to what you reap here, uh, or verse 10, he supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, that verse 6 has been confused many times, so let's just sit on it for a second. Oftentimes in the church, we have kind of had this really terrible way of explaining this verse. And what we've said is, you know, if you give, God will give back to you. And he'll give back to you tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. If you just plant the seed with this little gift, then God will actually start the money flowing into your life. And of course, Paul does say, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. But what does he say that we're going to reap bountifully? It's not wealth. It's something a lot better. Righteousness. God says that when we actually pour out of what he has given us, when we are open-handed with what he has given us, he actually increases the flow back to us, not in money, but in righteousness. And then did you see this as well, what we get here each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then listen to this, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's a lot of alls and every that God is giving back, isn't it? all grace, all sufficiency in all times, in every good work, God is continuing to produce beauty in his people. 
And oftentimes we think, you know, that, that joy leads to thanksgiving. Joy leads to thankfulness. When I'm happy, I'm going to be more thankful and I'm going to be more cheerful as a giver. That's true. But you know, the reverse is also true, is that thanksgiving leads to joy. And that's really what Paul is saying here, is that when we are thankful people, it produces joy in us. When we pour out of ourselves there is the cheering that goes up in our hearts and in the community that God is going to replenish. God is going to replenish wonderfully. So that's the first thing that thankful giving is, is it is good for us. Secondly, though, thankful giving is good for others. That verse 6, again, of sowing and reaping, we've already said how it's not a one-to-one, I send the seed money in, I get a huge check in return. But there actually is reaping, but here's the cool part, is that the reaping happens most of the time in others. Is that when we sow, others reap. When we give, God actually uses our gifts in fabulous ways to help the needs of others. That's what's happening here in 2 Corinthians. Paul is asking the church in Corinth to help with the needs of the church elsewhere. And you know, that's what happens just practically speaking when you give as well. It goes toward regular practical things like having a staff that leads our people, that teaches our children, that cares for our folks. It goes to practical things like purchasing a sound system and and rent so we can get together and worship. It goes to regular kind of things like that. But it also goes out from us. We actually have a regular practice since we have begun, uh, even before we were, tradi- we were uh, truly in the black as a church, uh, we have given away at least 10% of everything that comes in here. So at least 10% of what we bring in a, as a church also just goes out to other places. It goes to the work of church planting across the country and across particularly even South Texas. It goes to foreign missions. It goes to local missions. It goes to help uh, the needy and the poor in our city. It goes to help campus ministries. We love to be able to send out money and to be able to support others. And so when you give, it doesn't just help you. It's not just good for you. It's good for others too. You know, fascinatingly, uh, the idea of, of generosity in the Old Testament has always been tied even to the idea of justice. That may come as a surprise to you, but, uh, but actually generosity and justice have always gone hand, to hand, hand in hand for God's people. And, and this may be a surprise in our particular culture, in our Western world, when we really have two polar extremes in the way that we think about wealth and, and who actually owns our money. And and they are this, is that either it's all mine, this highly individualistic kind of understanding of wealth, that it all belongs to me and I get to do whatever I want with it, or uh, or a highly socialized kind of version that it all belongs to the state and the state distributes everything. And those are our two kind of concepts for how we understand our possessions. But the Bible's understanding of our possessions is totally different, actually. Because the Bible doesn't kind of just deal with it on that horizontal level. The Bible deals with it on a vertical level. And the Bible first and foremost says, your possessions, your money belongs to God first. And he has made you a steward over those things. A steward was actually the person who didn't own the estate, but was there to take care, take care of the estate like he owned it. 
Like, right, you, you've probably heard your mom say at one point, you know, uh, take care of this like it was your own. That's what a steward is. He's the person that's supposed to take care of the estate for the owner while the owner is gone. And that's the way that the Bible talks about what God has given us. It belongs to him. He has given it to us so that we might care for it, we might steward it well. And what the Bible says really over and over is that the righteous and the way that they deal with their possessions are willing to sacrifice themselves for the good of the community. They are willing to actually give of themselves for the benefit of others, and that creates a system not only of generosity, but of actually justice among God's people. In fact, it's the unrighteous who are willing to sacrifice the community for their own benefit. That's the way that God understands. That's the way the Bible actually tells us of righteousness and justice. So not only is generous giving good for the people around, it actually promotes justice even in our communities. All right, third thing. The third thing that thankful giving is, it is uh, not only good for us and good for others, but thankful giving actually glorifies God. Thankful giving glorifies God. Just, just listen to these verses 11 through 13 one more time. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution to them and others. You hear that? Actually, God is glorified on both ends of the giving spectrum. When we are, are cheerful in our giving, when we give, God is glorified, right? We have thanksgiving that is worked in our hearts that glorifies God. But do you also see that when they receive our gifts, Paul says, God is glorified. And so it works on both ways, is that when we give, God is glorified because we are practicing thanksgiving. We are practicing loosening our grip on the things that God has given us. We are practicing moving our trust from the amount in our banks or the amount of stuff we have or how new our car is or whatever it is, all of the things that, by the way, I find myself trusting in every day. When we give, we're moving ourselves away from that. We're, we're, we're kind of stripping away one finger at our time to loosen our grips so that we might actually cling more tightly to Jesus. See, if my hands are... are clenched tightly on one thing, they're not going to be able to hold on very well to something else. So we have to loosen our grip on the things that they are holding right now in order that we might tighten it on the Lord. That is the practice of thanksgiving that actually leads to God's glory. And then finally, God is glorified. This one is kind of the easy one, but it's worth mentioning. God is glorified when we are generous. Guess why? Because he's generous. God himself is generous. Did you hear the way that Paul ends this whole passage? Thanks be to God for not your inexpressible gift, his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his gift. God is a generous God. And when we are generous, we actually act like him. Paul says this in the previous chapter, in chapter 8, that Jesus, God's Son, gave up His throne. 
that though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes so that we might by his gift become rich. God is a generous God. And when our hearts are filled with generosity and thanksgiving, we actually get to act like Jesus. Isn't that cool? All right, let's do a little bit of application as we close. What do we do with this? Well, um, keeping our theme, I've got three things for you. So three, three little application pieces. And the first is this, pray. Pray that God would actually make you more thankful. Pray that God would make you more generous. Um, you know, it sounds trite, but count your blessings. It really does help. When you pray, thank God for what he has given you because it reminds your heart of the abundance that he has provided and it loosens your grip on holding on to those things. So that's the first thing, is actually pray that God would loosen your grip on your possessions. Pray that he would tighten your grip on him. And then secondly, trust. Hopefully that is kind of the outpouring of that prayer, is that we might trust the Lord in all things that the activity of giving might actually be an activity of trust for us so that we can cling more tightly to him and everything, so that we can be so excited when that bucket pours out because we know that the water's gonna keep coming in, that he's going to fill because he loves us and cares for us and he wants us to flourish. We don't serve a God who's looking to wipe us out. We don't serve a God who simply wants us to be destitute in all ways. We serve a God who wants us to sacrifice so that we might be filled completely in all things. And then here's the third piece of uh, application is that uh, we're going to ask you to fill out uh, a giving projection for this year. If you're, a, if you're a member at Hope or if you're a regular attender, you will get an email with a link to a form to fill out online that's just going to simply ask you to fill out a giving projection for 2021. Some of you uh, did this last year when we did it. Some of you maybe have come from churches uh, where this was the normal practice. For some of you, this is going to be super weird, and it's going to be the first time you've ever seen something like that. So uh, why are we sending out giving projections? Well, uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but it's good for you, it's good for others, and it glorifies God. All right, so filling out a giving projection is actually going to be good for our hearts we get to look and take, we get to take a look at our finances. Maybe it's the first time even some of you have taken a look at your finances in general, and that'll be helpful first of all, but also simply to go through the process of saying, okay, Lord, how do I fill out this number here that, I, that I'm going to commit to giving? And that's good for our hearts. It's helpful for us. We enter into that process of thankfulness and joy together. Secondly, it is helpful for us, the church, for others. So it's helpful for the church because right now we're building our budget. And, and we want to be good stewards of what God has given us as well. And so it's helpful for us to actually kind of figure out how can we support local and foreign missionaries? How can we increase our budget in these areas? How do we need to adjust particular things? It's helpful if we have a decent idea of what might come in in 2021. But third, and primarily is that it glorifies God because it is an activity of thanksgiving. It is a wonderful practice of thanksgiving that we can enter into, that we can be thankful that God has given us not only the numbers that we see on our bank statements, but that we can be thankful that God has given us truly everything that we need. 
He has given us of Himself. And the simple activity of talking about giving can actually make us more thankful for the much greater gift that He has given us in Christ. You'll receive that in the next few days. I'll send that out this week. We're going to give you some time to do it. I would ask that you would pray about it. I'm happy to answer any questions. Feel free to call or email me, unless you're mad, and then you can email Kathy. And we'd love to talk with you about it and discuss all that we're talking about. Let me pray for us as we ask God to bless this discussion. Father, we are thankful for your great gift. We're thankful for Jesus who though he was rich, has made himself poor on our behalf, has given up his throne in heaven that he might humble himself, that he might take on the form not of a king but of a servant. Of course, Lord, in your completely backward-seeming plan and your economy that doesn't make any sense to us, it's that servant who is the king. It's that one who is poor that you have glorified It's that one who gave up willingly his throne that you have established his throne. It is he who reigns. It is he who rules. It is he who has given himself for us so that we might belong to his kingdom. Lord, will you work thanksgiving into our hearts, into my heart today, so that we might be humble people, so that we might be cheerful people, so that we might give abundantly so that when doing so, we might even just in the slightest way reflect your abundance, reflect the heart of a God who loves to give. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen.